fascinating facts, candid conversations, and some levity to lighten your day. This is The Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. Welcome to Friday. We're going to get the weekend going early. So glad you're with me on The Kale Clark Show. We're going to have a lot of fun in this episode. So many great things to talk about today. Elon Musk went down to the border. He basically became a citizen journalist and live streamed it. And we're going to talk about what he saw, what he reported, and really what we should think about as Catholics when it comes to illegal migration. We'll talk about that later in the program. Plus, of course, it's the Feast of the Archangels. We're going to talk about how they can help you with your problems, your specific problems. They can really be great, powerful intercessors for us, St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael. Plus, the week that was is coming up so much we've got packed into this hour, so let's get rolling with it. The number to call, 888-914-9149, 1-888-914-9149. You can follow me on the X app, which is owned, of course, by Elon, at Kale Clark, C-A-L-E, Clark with an E. And you can, of course, email the program, Kale, C-A-L-E, at relevantradio.com. So, obviously, when we talk about the Archangels, and they used to have separate feast days, um, in the old days, and maybe they still should. I think they're, they're, they're all, <laughs> there's only so many days to go around, of course, but um, the idea of, of, of bunching them together um, is great, too. But but St. Michael used to have his day, and then, of course, St. Gabriel had his day. St. Raphael had his as well. But one of the most famous things, with, with, let's start, start with St. Michael for a second. Of course, the famous St. Michael Prayer. And there's actually three prayers that were instituted by Pope Leo XIII back in the 1900s, 1886. Remember that famous vision that he had while he was celebrating Mass of demons descending on Rome and on the Vatican. Let, let's talk about that for just a second. Let, let's break that down before we get any further. 888 So Pope Leo XIII in 1886, he instituted what became known as the Leonine Prayers. And they, they of course, included the well-known prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. And as the story goes, and I think this is definitely historical, some aspects of this are not probably historical, which I'll tell you about in a second. But according to Kevin Simmons, who was the author of a book called Pope Leo XIII and the Prayer to St. Michael, This vision that Pope Leo had probably took place somewhere between 1884 and the year 1886 during Mass. And witnesses said that Pope Leo had a visible change in his expression, in his appearance. He became ashen. Uh, He seemed incredibly worried. He was pale. He he seemed scared. Uh, His private secretary told a cardinal of the church that he had had a vision of demons gathering on the Eternal City. And so this, from this experience, this, this really gave rise to him writing this prayer. Now, the unhistorical part, what's probably unhistorical, is that, uh, I don't know if you've heard this part, but allegedly Pope Leo actually, as part of his vision, saw a conversation happen between Jesus and the devil. And some even have the dialogue <laughs> clips. And here, here's what you, you might have heard this before. So usually the conversation goes something like this. Satan says to Jesus, I can destroy your church. And Jesus says, bring it on. <laughs> Essentially, he says, you can? Well, then go ahead. <laughs> and Satan says, well, 
if I'm going to do that, I need more time and I need more power. And Jesus says, how much time do you need? How much power do you want? And Satan said, give me 75 to 100 years and give me a greater power over those who will give themselves over to my service. And Jesus says, all right, you've got it. You've got the time. You'll have the power. Now go for it. Okay, so that's the alleged conversation that people say is part of the vision. I'm not buying this. I don't think that actually happened. However, and most people have noted, by the way, that's very similar. I'm not saying it couldn't have happened, but it just sounds, I don't know. But it is very reminiscent of the book of Job. If you look at the book of Job, there's this very similar conversation in which Satan basically says, I bet I can get Job to curse you. Ah, no, 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 he's my guy. No, but if you let me just do all this stuff to him, I, I swear I can turn him against you. And he says, all right, you're on. I'll take the bet. And then he, he sort of becomes this, uh, you know, animal on a chain. You know, Satan is allowed to do so much to Job within limits, within limits. He's not allowed to kill him, but he basically does everything else. And so uh, a lot of people see similarities between this alleged conversation between Jesus and the devil that Pope Leo XIII allegedly witnessed. But so that part, I, I'm a, I, I don't know, I could be wrong, but I, I don't think that's necessarily part of what happened. But there's no question that Pope Leo did see this vision of the demonic uh, descending upon the Vatican. So he very, very quickly composed this prayer to St. Michael and not only that, but there's actually a longer prayer. There's actually two more prayers. There's three prayers in total. One of them was supposed to be uh, used by clergy, um, used in exorcism rituals, and it's known as the exorcism prayer. And then there's another sort of longer prayer to St. Michael for lay people. So we, we of course, are, are, are very, very familiar with the prayer that, and this is the prayer that Pope Leo XIII commanded be said after every Mass, and that kind of went away that was taken away but it's it's had a revival in a lot of places saint michael the archangel defend us in battle be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil may god rebuke him we humbly pray and do thou o prince of the heavenly host by the power of god cast into hell satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls amen that's a great prayer to pray uh, no doubt you're listening to the kale clark show on relevant radio it's the feast of the archangels saint michael St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael. And of course, they do appear in Scripture. And the interesting thing about, about their names, by the way, Michael, Mikael, if you will, and uh, I guess uh, my daughter Michaela, it's kind of her name day, I guess you could say, in a certain sense. <clears throat> and of course, any anytime you see a name in the Bible with L at the end, E-L, uh, that means God in Hebrew. And... Uh, <laughs> It's like Cal L, right? You know, and uh, it's interesting because the Superman character was created by a couple of Jewish kids, Jerry uh, Siegel and Joe Schuster. Uh, one of whom was Canadian, by the way. But anyways, that's that's another story for another day. Uh, I do have a, a fun story about the new Superman, but I'll tell you that later. Um, anyway, so Saint, <laughs> I'm way off track here, but Saint, Saint Michael, uh, his name it really is a question. It means who is like God. Who is like God? Question mark. It doesn't mean one who is like God. It means who is like God? Question mark. Uh, and the, of course, the answer is no one is like God. Then, of course, we have Gabriel. And uh, Gabriel essentially means God is my warrior or something, something like that. And then, of course, we have St. Raphael, which means the medicine of God. And that's, that's intriguing when you, when you read the book of Tobit, in which he, he really features in there and and so 
Um, I'm going to get back to to those those other. Let's talk about St. Michael for, for for just a quick second here. A couple of interesting places you can um, find out about him in Scripture. Revelation chapter 12 is kind of the uh, the big ticket item for us in so many ways. Talks about the woman and the child, of course. That is Mary uh, giving birth to Jesus, and then right after this. The woman clothed with the sun, uh, crown of 12 stars on her head, and then she's standing on the moon and all that stuff. Then we have war breaking out in heaven, St. Michael leading the armies of God against Satan and his minions. And, uh, yeah, it says, uh, the dragon and his angels fought back, but he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. But he also appears in a couple of other places. Uh, there's one other place in the New Testament that he appears, and it's, it's, this one raises a lot of questions for people. Uh, it's in the letter of Jude. Now, Jude is very short. Uh, it's, it, there's no chapters. It's just um, one letter. It's just verses. There are uh, 25 verses in the letter of Jude. And in uh, verse 8, or actually verse 9, it says, Even the archangel Michael when he was disputing with the devil about the body of Moses, did not dare to bring a slanderous accusation against him, but said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, everyone reads this and they're like, when did this happen? I don't remember reading about this in the Old Testament, the death of Moses, Michael's having an argument with the devil about the body of Moses. Hey, who gets the body? Where does this come from? It actually is not in the Bible. It, it comes from a, a Jewish writing called the Assumption of Moses. The Assumption of Moses. So that's not a biblical book. It's not the Word of God. But it's interesting that it is mentioned that this little anecdote gets into the Word of God. It gets into the letter of Jude. And by the way, his real name is probably Judas, but no one wants to be called that anymore. So just call me Jude. Hey, Jude. A- anyways, this is this was kind of in the air. It's one of those things that was kind of in the air. It was a document that everybody was kind of reading. And uh, most pious Jews knew about the Assumption of Moses. So, ah, they kind of know this, this account. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a really interesting uh, case right there. And then, of course, in the Old Testament as well, he's in the book of Daniel. Um, obviously a key figure there when it comes to, to that book of prophecy. And then Gabriel's there too. Gabriel's in the book of Daniel. And, of course, he's really involved in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke, the double annunciations. There's the annunciation to Mary by the Archangel Gabriel, but also, don't forget, before that, there's another annunciation to Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist, and he says, hey, you guys are going to have a kid. It's not going to be, it's going to be through the natural way, but you guys are well beyond the childbearing years, so God will help you, of course. Um, And Zechariah's like, yeah, I don't buy this. Why should I believe this? It's like, "Uh, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. Because you didn't believe me, you're going to be struck dumb until this happens. So zap. He can't, he can't speak. He, can't, you know, he has to write on a tablet. It wasn't an iPad, but you get the point. And so he, he's super, super involved as well. And then, of course, we have Tobit, the book of Tobit. And that's the one that really talks about uh, Raphael, the archangel, and, and really what, what he's all about. Now, I saw this really uh, cool interview with uh, Mike Aquilina. You're listening to the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio, by the way, 888-914-9149. I don't know if the Archangels have been powerful helpers for you. You can tell me about it by calling in 888 
9149. But uh, Mike Aquilina, uh, he's the VP of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology, which is founded by uh, his good friend Scott Hahn. And you might remember seeing these guys together. They did a lot of EWTN shows together where they kind of teamed up, and and Mike was kind of the host, and, and uh, Dr. Hahn would hold court. But he's, uh, he's also written a lot in his, in his own right, believe me. Um, he wrote a great book on the mass of the early Christians. Anyways, he was interviewed by uh, the Catholic News Agency about the archangels on, on the feast day today. And, and, and it was a really practical interview because uh, Mike Aquilina gave some ways that we can really grab onto the intercession of St. Michael, St. Gabriel, and St. Raphael in our everyday lives. So let's talk about St. Michael for, for just a second. Um, Mike Aquilina said, quote, St. Michael is a supremely important character. Now, his name is Michael, too, so of course he loves St. Michael. He's a supremely important character who was there from the beginning of the story. And apparently the rabbis, and the tradition of the rabbis, I'll have to ask Rabbi Jason Sobel about this. The rabbinic tradition apparently holds that Michael was in a lot of different dramas that took place in salvation history, even though he, he's not specifically mentioned all the time in Scripture. And uh, Aquilina also notes that, that in the centuries after the Reformation happened, in the 16th century, there, there was a big sort of backlash against all things Catholic, of course. So th- thought, thoughts about the angels, the theology of the angels, um, talk of the angels, and the archangels, of course, included in that. That kind of was, people didn't want to go there anymore, so it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit uh, in, in the culture at least in the Protestant world. And by the way, on Monday on this program, it's the Feast of the Guardian Angels. So we're going to talk some more about angels, your guardian angel. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. I've got a great guest. I, I don't want to spoil the surprise, but that's going to be on Monday. But uh, Mike Aquilina says that really in the 19th century, that's when St. Michael kind of began this comeback journey in the church. And, and that obviously includes uh, Pope Leo's prayer that he composed after he saw this vision of the devil just running wild and his minions uh, on earth, and especially in Rome. And so that was a big deal. That was a big deal. And even though it, it kind of, after Vatican II, is kind of taken out of circulation, it has come back in many places. JP two, back in 1994, he said, everybody should be praying this. Uh, and so every day is a day of spiritual battle. There's no question about it. Uh, Mike Aquilina notes that as well. So what about St. Gabriel? Now, obviously... Luke is really key here, as I just mentioned uh, a little while ago. And the other thing about the the uh, about Saint Gabriel in the Bible is he's very much associated with the final judgment. This is a, this is another aspect. Now, now he's not mentioned necessarily by name, but in Saint Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, and this may be, by the way, the earliest document in the New Testament uh, to be written after the resurrection. He talks about. Paul talks about the call of the archangel, the sound of the trumpet of God, the final judgment beginning. And so a lot of people say, well, this is Gabriel's trumpet. You might have heard the song Gabriel's Oboe from the film The Mission. Awesome movie, by the way. Jim, if we can find that song. I didn't tell you about that ahead of time, but great, great tune. I hate it when they do piano versions of Gabriel's Oboe. It's the oboe. It's Gabriel's Oboe, not Gabriel's piano. But anyways, I digress. So, and this is this is what's interesting uh, with us here on Relevant Radio and everybody listening. Mike Aquilina said that really Saint Gabriel, the archangel, is really a patron saint of media workers. Why? Because he's the Bible's great communicator. 
He's the one who gets to tell the good news to Our Lady. Uh, and so he's the natural patron saint of broadcasters, everybody who's working in media. I love this. I love this. He's also, of course, a, a patron saint of preachers who obviously share the message as well in different ways. Postal workers, hey, they're delivering messages <laughs> just like he did. Um, ambassadors, diplomats, you name it. But but really, uh, those of us who work in media, especially Catholic media, uh, please pray for us. And we can really... Uh, draw on the intercession of St. Gabriel as we try to bring Christ to the world through relevant radio and all the different types of media that we use, internet, radio, video, you name it, you name it. So there's actually, believe it or not, there's a prayer to St. Gabriel as well. A lot of people don't know about this. O blessed Archangel Gabriel, let's pray it together. We beseech you, intercede for us at the throne of divine mercy in our present necessities that as you did announce to Mary the mystery of the Incarnation, so through your prayers and patronage in heaven, we may obtain the benefits of the same and sing the praise of God forever in the land of the living. Amen. It's a beautiful prayer. We'll put a link to this article in the show notes as well so you can, uh, you can get a copy of it for yourself. All right, now, really quickly, what about St. Raphael? The Book of Tobit. I love the Book of Tobit. It's such a cool book, and it's just so interesting because... In this book, Raphael comes to help young Tobias, and he sort of appears as if he's a human. And, and as Aquilina says, it's kind of different because he, he sticks around for the whole thing, for the whole journey with, with Tobias. And by the end of the book, he's become more than an angelic helper. He's become really a friend to Tobias. So Tobias is trying to get some money that his father left in another place. And he has all these adventures and misadventures along the way, and Raphael helps him out, including being a matchmaker, helping him get married to this woman named Sarah. And uh, Tobias was justifiably a little bit nervous about this because she her online dating profile didn't look so great because she had been married to seven different guys, but on the wedding night, the, the marriages were never consummated because on the wedding night, a demon... Who, was, who wanted her for himself, who was very jealous, named Asmodeus, killed these guys, every single one of them, seven in a row, on the wedding night. So she didn't really have a lot of dates after that, and Tobias is like, I'm supposed to marry her? Come on. And Raphael says, don't be afraid to take Sarah as your wife, for she was destined for you from all eternity. Wow. Okay, so it was God's plan all along, and they defeat the demon. It's a great, great book. We'll have to talk about this another time. But nonetheless, here's what uh, Mike Aquilina says. This is a great patron saint, St. Raphael, for singles. You know, Catholic singles in search of a mate. You know, Forget about the website. First check with St. Raphael because he can really help out in this regard. So why not? Why not uh, use his intercession here? And also, people who are looking for a friend, just like he was a friend to Tobias. He wasn't just a matchmaker. He was a great, great friend. And so... Um, we all need a friend, we could all use a friend, and we could all be better friends. There's no question about that. He's the patron saint of pharmacists because he provided kind of this balm of healing. There's crazy stuff in the in the book about uh, um, Tobit and, and birds that, you know, their excrement getting in his eyes. It's really weird. He goes blind, and then there's this healing balm uh, that's provided through Raphael. So he's, he's the patron saint of, of people who are blind. Uh, people who are traveling, uh, St. Christopher, there's lots of traveling saints, uh, people who are sick, and young people, young people. 
So that's a really, really good one as well. So I'll just leave it at this. There's actually a little prayer to St. Raphael as well. St. Raphael of the Glorious Seven. Now that's a reference to an ancient Jewish tradition that there are seven archangels that stand in the presence of God. Three of which are mentioned, of course, uh, in the scriptures that we know of for sure. St. Raphael of the Glorious Seven who stand before the throne of him who lives and reigns. Angel of health, the Lord has filled your hand with balm from heaven to soothe or cure our pains, heal or cure the victims of disease, and guide our steps when we are doubtful of our ways. Amen. Some great prayers there and some, hopefully, um, insight for you guys on this great feast of the three archangels. Well, we'll be right back. We're going to talk about Elon Musk and his citizen journalism trip to the southern border, what he saw there, what the reaction to this is, on the Kale Clark Show, 888-914-9149. We'll be right back. Faith, facts, and fun. It's the Kale Clark Show on Relevant Radio. This is the last day we can actually do this this year. For some of you, that's a great relief. But this is an awesome song. If you don't like this song, I don't know what's wrong with you. Earth, Wind, and Fire, September. I just want to keep this rolling, Jim. I just want to do this as a segment. Just put this on a loop. But we can't. We can't. Alas. Might have some problems with that one, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not an FM radio station that plays the hits. But uh, we, do, uh, we do play God's greatest hits from scripture and tradition here on Relevant Radio. The Kale Clark Show, 888 888-914-9149. In the last segment, if you missed it, we talked about the, the archangels. It's their feast day today. St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael. And if you missed it, uh, check the podcast. It should be up. Uh, just a few minutes after the show, just look for it on the Relevant Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we are there as well. Something big happened uh, yesterday, in case you didn't hear about this, this is all over the news. And by the way, there's another big thing that I just saw before um, coming on air, I just checked this uh, this afternoon, I was kind of had my head down working, and apparently New York City is pretty much underwater right now, there's been huge flooding, um, uh, torrential rains. It's really bad. It's leaking into the subway. It's it's an awful situation right now. So let's pray for everybody in New York. And speaking of New York, it's kind of connected to this story because a lot of uh, migrants who are coming into the United States are being bused, of course, to places like New York City, Chicago, and residents there are starting to understand that uh, the government just simply doesn't have the resources to to deal with this. So Elon Musk, of course, who owns uh, X, which used to be called Twitter, uh, has really said, you know, it's funny, and he, he tweeted this out earlier. He said, it's interesting how mainstream media is now getting their news from X, and they're kind of regurgitating what was on X yesterday, the next day. And so what he decided to do was go down to the southern border to Eagle Pass in Texas and see what was really going on for himself, because people are posting, of course, all, all of these videos about streams of people coming in, um, 
and there's really there's nothing stopping them from from entering the United States. Um, all kinds of jokes as well. If you want to travel to the U.S., just fly to Mexico instead and walk over and save yourself some points on your travel. Anyways, um, he decided to check this out. So he went down there just with his phone, and, and he started interviewing people. Film, and of course, people people came to meet him, and uh, including um, a congressman, uh, but sheriffs, all, all kinds of stuff like that. Now, last time I checked which was right before showtime, this video that he filmed had been viewed almost 85 million times. That is an awful lot. That is an awful lot. Legacy media would love to have a video viewed that many times. Uh, so th this is how media is really changing. And so he's basically saying, look, if I can do this with a cell phone, then, then you too can be a citizen journalist as well. So here's a little clip from uh, what he saw when he was down there. I'm so Elon here. Um I'm uh, at Eagle Pass, uh, just arrived, and um, we're, we're just going to go around and, and talk to the, um, the, the major officials uh, and, and law enforcement and whatnot that uh, are here as, and, and just kind of eyeball the situation, get a sense for what's going on, and, and uh, so you can get the kind of like the real story. Hey guys, <laughs> how's it going? These people, this is, I mean, this is the shot right here. Okay, this I is... Mean, this. These people, you see how orderly it is? Yeah, I mean, it's and actually, it's very orderly, so... It's it's like an orderly, chaotic, unruly event that's happening. Okay. Um, and, and it's wrong. It's wrong for everybody involved. Sure. And we're not talking one or two people. We're talking thousands of people every day. Thousands of people every day, yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, well, okay, I'm going to end the live stream now. Okay, so at one point, the live stream crashed about four minutes in. Uh, they got it back online, and, and he's posted some other little little clips from that. It's actually kind of, it's a little bit long, so you can you can check this out for yourself um, on Elon's feed on the X app. And one of the people that, that came out to meet him was local congressman Tony Gonzalez. And um, another congressperson, uh, AOC, uh, did not like this, did not like the fact that Elon went down to the border and uh, she actually kind of made light of the fact that there is a, there's a congressman that was down there with him. She posted on the X app, she said, the House is holding important votes in D.C. tonight. That was yesterday, of course. People are scrambling to avoid a shutdown, but this Republican congressman, this is Tony Gonzalez, decided to skip town. To joyride with a billionaire when his own party has just a single-digit margin and needs his vote. Now, she has been very critical, of course. AOC has been very... And that's, of course, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, if you don't know who AOC is. Um, she's been pretty critical of Elon Musk. In fact, um, they had a, a bit of a spat just uh, the day before this uh, on Wednesday. And Musk had kind of made fun of her. Uh, because she had said, she kind of posted this video on X saying that more migrants entered through the United States through Ellis Island back in the day than were arriving illegally across the Rio Grande uh, in places like Eagle Pass. And Musk said in response, oh, she's just not that smart. She's just not that smart. So she, she kind of slapped back and she said, I wasn't born rich and became the youngest woman in American history to be elected to Congress. Then I investigated Cohen. I authored the... And she kind of gives a resume. Um, stay mad, she said at the end. 
when are these two going to go on a date? That's what I want to know. There's all these memes out there about, oh, they're secretly in love with each other. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you always hate the one you love kind of thing. I don't know about that. But but at any rate, it's always fun to uh, to watch uh, those two go at it. And and he, and, he, and he wanted to, Musk said, look, the reason why I wanted to go down here is to share with everybody that, that can see this. And he's got 158 million followers on, on the X app plus a lot of people who aren't following him, but they see what he do. What's really going on here? How, how overwhelmed the, the authorities are. And people are just walking right in. And, and, and it's also, Musk is also raising some, some dangerous um, calls to... He's basically saying that this is a little bit... This is, this is very dangerous because uh, there are obviously migrants who are coming in who are no doubt, escaping very difficult, very dangerous situations. But there are also other people who, I don't know, Musk called them, and this is a quote from Elon Musk, we're seeing in some cases some pretty extreme individuals coming through. Obviously not suggesting everyone is like this, but then he started talking about uh, gang members from South America that are coming in. And how, how, it's very well known that South American gang members have facial tattoos, and Musk said, Quote, you're talking about a guy who came through who had face tattoos, including tears tattooed on his face. And he went on to explain that having tear tattoos on your face, it, it's, a, it's a gangland sort of thing. Every time you murder someone, you tattoo a tear on your face. Musk said, quote, they have murdered someone and they are so proud of having murdered someone that they tattoo one tear on their face. For every person they have killed. And this person claimed asylum and we let them in. A serial murderer who was proud of their murders. This is insane. End of quote. So that's part of the problem with just people walking in. But but Musk is not against immigration by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, here, here's what he said about, about this. I think we want to do both things. Uh, smooth out legal immigration and, and then uh, uh, stop, stop the you know, a, a, sort of a flow, a flow of people that is uh, of such magnitude that is actually what leading to a collapse of social services. If, if we don't do something soon, um, we're just going to have, uh, like I said, a, a collapse in, in social services, as we're already seeing uh, in uh, New York. As an immigrant to the United States, I'm extremely pro-immigrant, um, and I believe that uh, we need a greatly expanded uh, legal immigration system. Uh, and that we should uh, let anyone in the country who is hardworking and honest and uh, will be a contributor to the United States. We should also not be allowing uh, people in the country if they're, if they're breaking the law. That doesn't make sense. The law is there for a reason. Yeah, so as you heard Musk say there, uh, he says he is an immigrant to the United States. He is extremely pro-immigrant, and we need an expanded immigration system. So anyone who's hardworking and honest can get in. Obviously, people who, are, who, who truly are in need and, and fleeing uh, desperate situations as well. I'm assuming he would agree with that as well. But he did say, we should not let in people breaking the law. That doesn't make sense. The law is there for a reason. We need to stop a flow of people, he said, that is of such magnitude that it's leading to a collapse of essential services and causing even America's largest city, New York, to buckle under the pressure. He said, if New York can't handle it, pretty much no part of the country can, end of quote. And even at Eagle Pass, um, 100, over 100,000 people have come through there just in the last week alone. And I think this, this year, well over 2 
uh, million people, well over two million people, are supposed to be record numbers uh, coming in uh, illegally to the United States. And so, obviously, the immigration system in the United States is broken. Uh, the system is incredibly backlogged. It's under a lot of strain. Uh, this isn't helping. And, and so, what are we to think about this as Catholics? Um, Obviously, you think about the litany of Loretto. Pope Francis added in that line, solace of migrants, pray for us. My, migrants are, are close to his heart. And I think, obviously, he's thinking of people who are in, in real danger. But, but it's interesting to think about, about as Catholics, what, what, is it okay to be opposed to illegal immigration? And obviously, we should be pro-legal immigration, for sure. But... What about illegal immigration? It's, it's interesting because the church does talk about this. In, in the catechism, uh, John Paul II actually had an interesting comment about this as well. And uh, I will uh, dig this up for you. I've got it right here, actually. But I want to just see what um, the church actually teaches about this. Now, this is from the social doctrine of the Catholic Church. This is an interesting area of study. If you want to kind of go deeper the social doctrine of the Catholic Church, because our faith is about, really, what we need to believe is what the Church teaches about faith and morals, what to believe, how to live. So the the how to live part really has a lot to do with the social doctrine of the Church, and it, it's, a, it's a wonderful book. Um, I should re- really read it more, because, you know, my, my sort of passion is scripture and history, you know that from my Faith Explained show. But here's what it says in the Compendium of the Social Doctrine about this issue, and I'm going to quote here. It says, a nation has a fundamental right to existence, to its own language and culture, through which a people expresses and promotes its fundamental spiritual sovereignty to shape its life according to its own traditions and to build its future by providing an appropriate education for the younger generation. And that's one of the things I think Musk is concerned about, too, the pressure on the educational system as well. Uh, That's just one of the systems that's overloaded by... um, the extreme numbers of people coming in. And is it really just towards these people? Uh, it goes on to say in, in the Compendium of the Social Doctrine, quote, political authorities for the sake of the common good for which they are responsible may make the exercise of the right to immigrate, and there is a right to immigrate, subject to various juridical conditions especially regarding the immigrants' duties towards their country of adoption. Immigrants are obliged to respect with gratitude the material and spiritual heritage of the country that receives them to obey its laws and to assist in in carrying its civic burdens. And JP, so that's from uh, number 2241 from the Social Doctrine of the Catholic Church. Um, And then in 2001, uh, Pope John Paul II, this was an address he gave to the World Day of Migration. At the time, it was the 87th World Day of Migration. And and he sort of dealt with the concept of of justice towards towards the migrants as well. He said, quote, highly developed countries are not always able to assimilate all those who immigrate. And that while the church strongly affirms the right to immigrate, certainly— The exercise of such a right is to be regulated because practicing it indiscriminately may do harm and be detrimental to the common good of the community that receives the migrant. So the common good has to be, and that's a really, obviously a wise statement from from St. John Paul II, Uh, the common good of the community has to be taken into account. There is a right to immigrate, but 
this has to be regulated. And, and this is where the U.S. really needs to, to get the system together. And this is not being talked about in the mainstream media too much. Most people are unaware of the vast amount of illegal immigrants that are coming into the United States. And, and like, like I said, some of them are in, are in real need. But all those people who are trying to, to enter the country by legitimate means uh, through the proper channels, what do they feel like when, when they see all this happening? At any rate, um, lots to talk about there. But but I'm sure you guys want to weigh in. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Let's go to some of your calls. Uh, let's go to Joe in Los Angeles. Hello, Joe. Yeah, hello. Hey, Joe. You're on the hello. air. Yes. Yes. Hello. No, I just uh, the comment that Elon Musk said about each tier. Represents uh-huh. the murder. He's mis- he's misinformed. Each tier represents one year done in the penitentiary. So I don't know where he oh, got his information, okay. but he's wrong. He, he's wrong on that. He's wrong on that. Hey Joe, th- thanks for calling in to to clarify that. I appreciate that. I appreciate that call, Joe. Joe basically said that that and, and maybe Elon. I don't know where he heard this from. Uh, he's saying that Elon's misinformed. Uh, when gang members have tattoos on their faces, they have these tears tattoos on their faces. Joe says that is not because of murders that they've committed uh, one tier for every murder it's one tier tattooed on their face for every year they've spent in the penitentiary so joe in los angeles thank you thank you for that um and that that clearly seems plausible for sure for sure all right let's go to don in chicago hello don hi um you know speaking of immigration and you know how we need to work on this as Catholics, you know, obviously if someone's coming in, even whether it's legally or illegally, you know, we need to be nice to them and treat them with kindness mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. things like that. But most people coming in are not running from someone with a gun to their head. I mean, it'd be just like, look at the other side. What if I decide, you know what, I want to go live in a nice little village in Italy. I'll just walk in and they have to give me one. They have to give me a little house. It's not going to happen. And most of these people coming are coming here to this country for more material things. They're coming here for a better way of life, just like my grandparents did. Mm-hmm. But, you, you know, they weren't running for their lives. Uh, they were coming here for more material things. So right now, how are they living? In a small little village, maybe without all the modern conveniences we have. But 100 years ago, that's how the whole world lived. And that's how we lived here, too. Mm. So now, just because you want to take advantage of some of the modern conveniences, doesn't mean you can just walk in and have a right to them. It's like saying you and I have a right to go in any country we want, just take what we want. Hey, you know, I, I could use an Italian villa right about now, but you know, but but in all seriousness, uh, and this is this is part of the problem because it's very difficult to sort out um, who has a legitimate claim to asylum and, and who does not. And one of the, th- the other things Musk said, and, and again, you can listen to his whole um, interview there and, and his conversation with Tony Gonzalez and some of the sheriffs that, that were there, um, is that people sort of Google, they Google the phrases. There are certain phrases that you can say that that everybody knows, and there's sort of catchphrases like, if you say this, you can make this asylum claim. And, and so, anyways, um, yeah, it, it, it's, an, it's, it's basically an, uh, uh, an incredibly porous open border along the southern border. There's no question about it. And, and so this this is definitely going to be an issue for sure as part of the election proceedings going forward and yeah the system is broken there's no question about it and um is anybody going to do anything about it to to get it back on track 
we'll have to see how this unfolds, but let's certainly pray for everybody involved and um, pray for peace. We've got to take a quick break right now on The Kale Clark Show. We'll be right back, 888-914-9149. This is The Kale Clark Show, giving you the confidence you need to bring the faith into everyday life. Hey, welcome back to the program. So glad to have you with me. 888 It's our final segment of the week. I want to tell you, you if you haven't done this yet, you, so, you totally have to do this. You have to check out our new video series by Father Rocky called Eucharistic Encounters. They're really powerful short stories of lives changed by Christ. And, of course, His Holy Presence in the Eucharist. So you're going to get a new video every week for the next 33 weeks. The first two are already out there, and you can get them. Sign up for free at RelevantRadio.com slash Encounter. That's RelevantRadio.com slash Encounter. Well, it's been such a great week on the Kale Clark Show. So before we get going with their last segment, I want to give you a little snippet of what you might have missed, and you can check them all out, all the episodes of our show on the Relevant Radio app. Here's the week that was on The Kale Clark Show. This reason why people weren't coming back to Mass after the pandemic, Cardinal Dolan says the reason number three was the Mass is too long, according to the respondents of this survey. I wonder what what you guys think about this. All right, let's go to Michael in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Hello, Michael. Hello, thanks for taking my call. I'm 44, so I was a cradle Catholic, but Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, like my sisters who have children who are in sports, I think a lot of it, we want to get in and out, wearing your sport uniform, the math. I don't know if math time is a big thing. I mean, an hour is not that long. You know, you wait for food longer than that sometimes in restaurants. So they, they all said, these 95-year-olds said that they would reflect more. The second thing that they would do, if they could do it over again, is to risk more. And this is probably the most intriguing one for me, because the, the 95-year-olds that were in this study, they didn't think about things that they were successful at necessarily, or even the failures that they had, but the risks that they didn't take, what could have been. It's kind of, Campolo talked about the Star Trek mantra, boldly go where no man has gone before. As Jesus said in the Gospel of John, Abraham saw my day and was glad. He somehow saw through faith stuff that was going to happen later and and took the chance, even though he didn't have much to work with. That's incredible faith. So faith is spelled R-I-S-K. It's spelled risk. I think it's also spelled T-R-U-S-T. Trust. Trust. Because it's not that big of a risk when you know who you're trusting. Then it doesn't seem like a risk at all. And we know that we can trust Jesus. And, And that's what the Divine Mercy Chapel is all about. Taylor Swift did show up to the Chiefs game with the Bears on Sunday, predictably so. This created an incredible amount of interest. Now, if, you, if you're wondering why this matters, since that game, just, just in the last couple of days, Travis Kelsey jersey sales have gone up 400%. Travis Kelsey has a podcast along with, along with his brother, uh, Jason Kelsey, who plays a, who's a center for the Philadelphia Eagles. They played each other in the Super Bowl last year. You might remember this. So their podcast called New Heights since Taylor Swift showed up at the game, that has now jumped to the number one spot in the entire world. It, it ranks number one overall on Apple Podcasts. How about that? So what would you like to do in your four quarters of the day? So here's some ideas. Quarter number one, from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m., you could do your morning routine. You could do a deep work session, whatever your big project is you're working on. Quarter number two, midday, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You could have a healthy lunch. You can do some exercise, maybe go on a lunchtime workout. Quarter number three in the afternoon from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. 
that's when you can take some meetings. Now, you don't always have, depending on where you work, you might not be able to set when these meetings happen. Quarter number four in the evening from 6 to 10 p.m., that's when you can spend quality time with your family, do some self-care maybe, do some prayer, do some spiritual reading, tune into the family rosary with Father Rocky after that. Everybody's situation is a little bit different, but the important thing to do is to be intentional with your time. Hey, that was the week that was. That was the four quarters method. That was a lot of fun. One of the great segments we had this week. Check out all of our episodes on the relevant radio app. Well, we are deep into the fourth quarter of our last show of the week. And speaking of quarters, we got to make our NFL picks for this weekend. So we're going to bring in producer Jim Shaper, Patrick Alog. And uh, Patrick, you got you got to find some some NFL prime time music for us as we as we do this. But I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to predict that the Detroit Lions will beat the Green Bay Packers this week. And folks, that's called prophecy ex eventu, which means prophecy after the fact. <laughs> that that doesn't count. But I, I, I was going to pick Detroit. I know talk is cheap. I know I can say that. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. That's, um, I don't know if I believe that or not. So, <laughs> no. well, okay. There, there you have Patrick Alock here. Where's the music, Patrick? We, we got to find this music, anyways. We'll try to get that going. But all right, let's go to the Sunday games coming up. Atlanta versus Jacksonville in the morning, early in the morning in the UK. They're doing this weird like Toy Story kids. I don't know how this is going to work. Well, like, it's it's not a it's not for everybody. I mean, it's a it's an alternate feed, so you don't have to watch the kids' Toy Story. Uh, but then I might watch it just to see what it's like. They did it for hockey. Uh, oh, they did. They did it for hockey as well. Not Toy Story, but like some other uh, Disney type uh, show. So I'm just yeah. curious to see what it's like. It's like when CBS does the Nickelodeon feed. It's just a different it, it, way to watch the game. And if it'll make my kid watch football, which will help me watch more football, I'm all for it. So we'll probably watch it as well. Atlanta versus Jacksonville. I'm going with Jacksonville in this. They're one and two, but they're a much better team than that. What do you you think, Patrick? Yeah, Jacksonville's coming off a tough loss there, but uh, I don't know. Uh, Obviously, they both have to cross over the pond. I'm going with Atlanta. Okay. They're going to fly over the pond, the Dirty Birds, and win the game, according to Patrick Gaelic. What about you, Jim? What do you think? I'm going to go Jacksonville. Gonna go Jacks. Right. All right. Okay. Sounds good. So Jim is with Jacks as well on a log. Okay. Well, we'll check with uh, with Vegas uh, on Monday and see how we did. Uh, Denver. This is the this is the toilet bowl game. I guess the, they're both they're both zero uh, the, three. The, the, there are two of those games, by the way, this week. There there are two. So Denver, uh, who got humiliated by the Miami Dolphins, gave up seventy points last week. Are playing the Chicago Bears. So what do you guys think is going to happen here? Well, it's interesting. I was reading an article. Uh, they had like five Chicago writers, and all of them predicted that the Bears would lose. I don't know if it's just because they're like, oh, whatever, we're just going to expect the worst, hope for the best, and predict a loss. I am. The only reason why I'm going to say the Bears is because I want the Bears to win. Because I am a USC football fan. I don't want to see the USC football quarterback get drafted by the Bears. Oh. <laughs> so that's the, an, yeah, that's, that's, I don't that's know if I should be saying that on air, but <laughs> that's sort of a warped way of thinking. <laughs> uh, Caleb, okay, so are you going for the Bears? You're going to go for Chicago. I am going to go for Chicago. Okay. All right, Jim? I'm going with the Denver Bronco, Broncos. Uh, Sean Payton is the X factor here. Okay, all right. Well, I'm, going to go, I'm going to go Bears as well. Ditka, Polishashij, and the Bears get off the schneid here, and they win the game. All right, let's go to... Now, this one, this is a tough one for me because... The, the those those guys who scored 70, 70 points last week, the Miami Dolphins, my goodness, the greatest show on grass, I guess you could say. 
They're playing uh, the Buffalo Bills, and I, I can't say Bills by a billion this time because I just don't think that's realistic. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say maybe by three or four points. I, I still got to go with Buffalo, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if the boy wonder of the NFL, uh, Mike McDaniel, and his Miami Dolphins pull this off because they look pretty unstoppable right now. But I'm going with Buffalo. I have to go with Buffalo. I am also going with Buffalo, and the only reason is is because it's at it's at home. If it was the other way around in Miami, I'd go for Miami. So it's only because they're at home. Okay. Yeah, All right, I'm, so. I'm going to go for the Bills as well. It's oh, a different thanks. game than last That's week, true. man, and they are home. So go Bills. Any given Sunday. That's yep. right. All right. Well, uh, Baltimore and Cleveland. Um, I'll tell you what. I- I'm going with the Ravens here. They had a humiliating loss last week, and uh, I think they get it done, even though Deshaun Watson played better for Cleveland last week. What do you guys think? I don't know. The The Ravens didn't really have a good game against the team they should have beaten in Indianapolis. They- and uh, so, and Cleveland's coming off a victory over Tennessee. I'm going with Cleveland, getting their Go second win in a row. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. Jim? Yeah, Cleveland as well. It's uh, they, You don't know what team's going to show up, but uh, I like the Browns this year. Okay, the dog pound gets a couple of votes there. I'm going with the Ravens, though. Quote the Ravens, never more. All right, uh, we only got a couple minutes left here, so let's race through the next ones. Um, Rams versus Colts. Who you guys got? I'm going with Colts. Colts, A-Log. I'm going Jim. with the Colts because I don't like the Rams. <laughs> don't like the Rams. Yeah, the Colts right, are my wife's team, so. Because, he, he, of course, from St. Louis, you were brokenhearted when the Rams left town. And it's I true. am going to go with the Rams because Puka Nakua is on my uh, fantasy team, and uh, he gets a lot of points. Anyways, uh, Washington and Philadelphia, the, the uh, Super Bowl participants, Eagles, uh, they are 3-0, one of the unbeaten teams in the NFL. Do you guys think they're going to stay with a perfect record? Eagles 4-0. Eagles all the way. I got to agree with you guys. I got to agree with you guys there. Vikings. Oh, this is another 0-3 bowl here. Vikings who haven't won yet. They won all those close games last year. They've lost them all this year. Vikings against the Panthers. I'm, uh, Carolina's going to win. Carolina, okay. A-log, all right. What about Jim? I'm going Panthers. Sorry, Glenn. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> I'm going Vikings. So, Glenn, you got a friend in me, buddy. Um, Skull. All right. The Buccaneers, surprising, two and one playing the Saints, also two and one. I'm going Buccaneers, you guys. Going Buccaneers because we don't know the quarterback situation for New Orleans. Yeah, it's kind of up in the air, isn't it? Jim? Let's go Saints. Saints, all right. Let's go Saints. Let's have the Saints go marching in. The Pittsburgh Steelers against Houston. I- I'm going to make an upset pick here. I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud, the rookie quarterback. He looks pretty composed. I, th- I think Houston pulls the upset over the Steelers. Same reason with you, Kale. Okay. I got. I say Steelers. Okay, we we. We can't do the rest of the games. I'll post the other ones on Twitter. Kansas City, Sunday night against the Jets. Aaron Rodgers is coming, and Taylor Swift is coming again. So don't miss that one, and don't miss the rest of the night on Relevant Radio. Take it away, Michaela. Thank you for listening to my daddy.